welcome to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Tori Bono. And today, Tiny Voice is talking all about Empathy Week, and I'm joined by Ed Cohen. So welcome, Ed. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be be here and finally talking to you. Oh, I'm, I'm genuinely so excited to be chatting to you all about Empathy Week. Now, for anyone that hasn't come across you, Ed, who is Ed Kerwin? Oh, what a question. Um, so I'm previously a teacher. I used to teach in North London. Um, and then I became a filmmaker. So I went from science teacher to filmmaker and then someone that became obsessed about empathy. Um, even though I suppose I was always interested in empathy, I just didn't know it. So yeah, I, I don't know if that's a great little introduction, but filmmaker, empathy, um, and a big, big uh, fan of education. Nice. I like that. Filmmaker, empathy enthusiast, and educationalist. Absolutely. Nicely wrapped up. Um, so Empathy Week. I came across Empathy Week, not the first year, which was 2020, but last year, 2021. So I mean, I thought it was fabulous, these videos and everything else. But where did the original Empathy Week idea come from? Yeah, it's um, it's a long story. I'll try and tell it in a short way possible. But I left teaching ultimately through a variety of reasons. I absolutely loved being in the classroom, loved the students, loved teaching. Um, But the school was going through, a new headship was coming on various issues the department was changing lots of things I wanted to try something new and I was doing various jobs and all sorts of things from tutoring to working as a freelance facilitator and all sorts of things but one of the things I did do when I left teaching was I started to do campaigns around homelessness and I'd never really picked up a camera I videoed the odd odd holiday here and there and stitched it together but Mm. I got my hands on a camera and I started telling stories around about people on the streets and started a campaign and tried to change people's actions um and one thing led to another and i actually ended up in mexico at the homeless world cup um off my own accord just trying to film and and speak to people there and i actually kind of shadowed the welsh men's team and for anyone that doesn't know what the homeless world cup is it's a, a charity that runs a football tournament every single year for people who have been excluded from society often homeless, um, sometimes, yeah, just fallen on bad bad times. And they work with organisations which are within each country. So there's usually 40 to 50 mm-hmm. countries that, that come. And I just wanted to go and, and experience that and tell the stories of people that were there. And then one day I was at the tournament and I was speaking to the Indian team and then they just said, you know, well, if you're here and you're not being paid to be here and – you know, what are you doing here sort of thing? And I said, well, I used to be a teacher and I'm doing these projects around homelessness and, you know, I fund myself by doing leadership facilitation courses and things like that. And also whilst mm-hmm. I've been teaching, I did a master's in leadership and education um, part-time at UCL IOE. So I kind of had the credentials enough for them to say, oh, do you want to come out to India? Because we need someone to help work on a a leadership course alongside our football program wow. and this is the organization called slum soccer right in the middle of india a city called nagpur and i went out there for two months two and a half months and lived with them essentially and then before i went out i thought right this is actually a perfect experience to perfect chance to tell people stories in an authentic way that isn't 
you know, poverty porn, which is actually from their angle where I've built a proper relationship with them. I'm not coming in and out. I'm living alongside them and also Mm -hmm. provide something to schools that I think that I needed whilst I was teaching. You know, I loved giving assemblies. I loved really for me, the main thing about teaching was that I wanted my students to become better citizens and I wanted them to leave school adding to society rather than relying on society and I had a particular group of boys that have always inspired me despite them never probably realizing it but they called themselves the u-gang and it was a group of year 11 boys who um I inherited in year 11 and the school decided to put all of these 24 boys together that were all on new grades that were disruptive trouble with the police all sorts of things and I I'm I, I coach basketball, so basketball is my. I should have added that to my who is Ed Cohen bit. Basketball is my passion, <laughs> my love. Um, I'm a tall. I'm six foot five, so I'm a tall male, which oh, wow. they kind of respect, I suppose, in some some instances. Mm-hmm. But t- all teachers know that really, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter how tall you are. Um, and you know, they thought the school thought right. You know, this is a chance for them to kind of maybe have a, a male role model that a lot of them don't mm. have and it was stressful and hard and really hard but they kind of inspired me because they all came up with use in their mocks and then they all left without use but I don't put that necessarily yeah. down to my teaching of science I put that down to the fact that they knew that I cared about them even though yeah. it was a struggle and I didn't realize it at the time but that I was using empathy I you know if you hadn't done your homework it wasn't right, you've got to do it and you're staying behind. It's like, what's going on at home? You know, is everything all right with mum? And if I had to send them out to just cool off, because often they would get frustrated with each other. And also being a science teacher, I actually had to stop doing practicals at one point because they would heat up like metal tongs in a Bunsen burner. And you think Bunsen burners are hot, but sometimes you need to realise how hot they are. They're double the double the heat of a conventional oven. So they're 400... Oh 400 degrees celsius sorry if you can hear the siren in the background i live live in a busy london road it's just adding some effects to the <laughs> adding some effects to the podcast um but yeah so anyway to to summarize there's there's these group of boys and i just thought this is the sort of thing that i if i imagine if i had these stories of people in india that i could yeah. show them that actually broadened their horizons that made them realize that their life isn't maybe as tough as they think, even though they had really tough lives, but give them a different perspective and inspire them yeah. to do a bit more. And that's really the birth of Empathy Week. I was then in India and whilst I was doing that, I filmed five amazing people and put them into films and then released them into schools and luckily had the support of Youth Sport Trust and also um, TES or Times Education Supplement, as people know it, mm-hmm. that kind of communicated it out. And then accidentally it sort of went to countries all over the world. And that's that's the beginning. That's amazing. And there's been quite a growth since 2020, hasn't there? Yeah, so obviously February 2020 is not the greatest time to launch anything. Um, not so much, but... Yeah. But, you know, we go with it. Um, and then last year especially, you know, I think teachers will know it's almost tougher now than it was at the start from people that I've spoken to with everything we need to do. But last year we engaged 80,000 students, a lot of which was online. 
and we've reached over 40 countries and we're continuing to try and grow but at the same time it's about engagement as well and it's about listening to what teachers want and we want to expand and we want to be in different languages and all of these things but we're just interested in making sure that the schools that are currently signed up and the teachers get a lot of value and um, importantly for state and government schools it's it's free um, private schools and international schools that have fee paying students do have to pay but again it, it works out at around one pound one pound fifty a student for a program of films resources for example if you buy the the or if you get the package which is five to 18 say you're a through school you get over 100 powerpoints 15 films wow. because we actually differentiate the films for ages five to seven eight to ten and eleven to eighteen and then there's assemblies there's uh pshe resources and everything's designed to be around 20 20 minutes 30 minutes the films at the 11 to 18 age are 10 minutes long so things can be run within some assemblies or parts of lessons and it's about having that structured approach but also that flexible approach so that teachers can really use it and integrate it how they want um, there's no particular right or wrong way to to take part but we do obviously say look this is what you can do with it um, you can run it as a whole week or you can split the films up over various weeks and engage your students with experiences that they might not have come across or crucially experiences that some of them will have come across and then it gives them that voice and i mean it's perfect podcast to talk about you know tiny voices on because there's these students that are in our classrooms that have never spoken up about things that are going through their life and all of a sudden they see someone maybe that represents them or some something that someone says in that film and then they feel like they have the permission to speak up and that's really been the most powerful thing about empathy week is not necessarily that yes of course the films help to develop empathy for that person that's in the film but more crucially they're actually a conversation starter and a permission for young people to say do you know what actually i've experienced that and then their colleagues their their peers in their class are developing empathy for the person that's asked that question or said that because if you go into a classroom and go right kids let's talk about mental health you know who's who's had mental health issues no one's gonna no one's gonna raise their hand no one's gonna talk about it whereas if you see a film with cool music that's filmed really well that's a bit like netflix and you're you're inspired by it and you see the positivity of someone coming out the other side and showing resilience and then you go you know what i can maybe be a bit like that and then that's that's the that's really been the magic for us and i think there's one quick little story that that emphasizes that for me and we haven't heard half of the stories, I'm sure. Um, but there was a teacher that spoke to me and said, we had this girl join our school in year seven from Pakistan. She didn't speak English when she came. She was bullied a little bit because of her accent and trying and not speaking English. And she was in year eight, so she'd been in school a year. And you know how quick kids are picking up English. She was oh, yeah. amazing in a year's time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the first year we filmed in India and this young girl just kind of, raised her hand after watching one of the films and just said to her class, you know, whilst this is India, this is what it looks like where I came from. And then all of a sudden, the teacher said, within the class, these kids, some of them that might have said something horrible to her in the past, had an understanding, could empathise with her where she had come from. Because before, you just, you know, what does Pakistan mean to an 11-year-old UK kid? They, They just, they they wouldn't, they could Google it and then they would assume that's what it looks like. So this is the power of 
the films and every single classroom that watches the same film will have a different discussion because the people and the young people and the teacher within that classroom are all different people. And this is what we forget. And this is what I believe is missing in education is this personal touch to our lessons and to our approaches and this humanity that we're driving. And it's this is never, never an attack on teachers. I think teachers, having been with myself, are the most amazing people. But the systems that we are forced to work within are stopping us from being able to engage on a more human level with students. And it doesn't have to be this lovey, fluffy stuff. It can just be let's talk about this in the news or let's watch in our case with empathy week let's watch this film and just see what conversation comes out of it um and yeah sorry that's that's me getting on a bit of a rant but hopefully people can tell i'm so passionate about it i think empathy is the skill that it is a skill in the past it's not been looked at as a skill but it is a skill and if you can harness that if you can start to do that imagine the trust that you build in your classroom the connection the understanding and then all of the academic stuff will fall behind, will, will come yeah. into place. Because you know yeah. that the students know the teacher has their best interest at heart. The teacher might even feel the inspiration to be a little bit more vulnerable and tell a little bit of a story about their life and how that reflected their life. And you create this environment and whole school approach. And I think that's the important thing for what we're trying to achieve is this whole school approach. I used to get a bit frustrated mm. with comic relief and all these other one day initiatives, which, okay, the kids would bring in a pound and wear their own clothes and they wouldn't actually understand the purpose of it or what the charity is trying to do. They just... No, it became more about let's try and raise money as opposed to... 100%. Why? Yeah. And I love what you're doing because that focus is on really developing that key skill that our students need that is already a skill that you know young people find tricky but I think has been made even more so by COVID that you know that skill of empathy. Now I know that you said beforehand that actually it's been scientifically proven that videos improve empathy. It's like it makes sense i've got to say yeah there was a study done in america with but the problem is there's a lot of um, research lacking in schools and students okay. probably because it's really hard to do we're actually um doing a pilot study with cambridge university this year um mm. and one of our empathy advisors is dr helen demetrio who released a paper in january 2021 which was based mm-hmm. in uk schools and showed that creativity um if you focus on developing empathy, you also develop a skill of creativity. And oh, wow. we all want our children to be creative. But yeah, there's the study, also, there's a few that show that film alongside workshops and resources are the best at developing empathy. Films do develop empathy, but they tail off without that extra resource, which, which, oh, okay. which also makes sense. Um, but it's, it's like anything, right? It, any skill, if you, we like to talk about empathy as a muscle. If you, if you just, mm-hmm. we say to schools, you know, if you take part in empathy week and you do everything within one week and that's it, like, of course, long-term, it's not going to have massive effect. It's the same as if you did all of the resource, you know, you looked at the whole curriculum for science within one week. They're not going to do well at their test at the end of the year. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's just about little and often. And I like to talk about empathy in, in a sense that it's just don't overcomplicate it. I think the word is often misunderstood. 
we talk about empathy as you know trying to understand another person whilst reserving judgment and giving them space to be their authentic self now if i was to whittle that down i would just put it down to like how can you understand someone better like that's the most simple thing it's not about agreeing it's not about disagreeing with someone it's not about liking someone it's also not about kindness now that may sound really strange to people listening to this yes all of these things kindness compassion are related to empathy and empathy allows you to be kind and compassionate but empathy can also be swung the other way people that have a really good understanding of someone else can also manipulate so we have we have to actually use empathy in the right sense and we have to think of it as a neutral construct that allows us then if we can use it properly within schools allows then students to take part in conflict resolution you know yeah okay i know that you you know if i'm telling two students off i know that he hit you and he's still got to be punished for that that action it doesn't remove the punishment what we're trying to do is understand why you know and that that's not trying to diminish what's happened but if you can understand why you can then fix the problem that there is somewhere deep deep within that child whether it's neglect whether it's just that they haven't eaten breakfast you know mm. i always used to say if there was something that would be written on my tombstone it would be that you know there's always a reason for behavior but there's no yeah there's always a reason for behavior um there's never an excuse so you can't you can't excuse yeah. behavior but there's always a reason for it and that reason might not mm. particularly make sense to you but if you can get to it you can stop future behavior from happening and i think that's what i always like to focus on and i think that's the power of empathy and coming back to kindness sometimes i upset people with it i've i've been on quite a few podcasts around kindness as well but i think kindness is great but it's wasted without empathy and i wrote a blog on this and and what i mean by this is if i give a the best example i can give is if i'm walking down the street and this is a true story of when i was doing things around homelessness saw a man on on the floor I'm going into Tesco, Sainsbury's or wherever, buy a ham sandwich, come out and I offer it to the man. He says, I don't eat ham. Is that a kind act? You know, on paper it is. Of course it is. I'm I'm spending money, giving a bit of my time to give this man a sandwich. But the reality is I have not empathized with him. I have not deployed empathy. I haven't asked him what does he like to eat, if if he wants anything at all. And I bought him a ham sandwich, which then I'm staring at it again. Do you know what? Actually, I don't even know if I would eat that because I've got all of these biases in my head and stereotypes. Beggars can't be choosers and all of this sort of thing. And then actually I spoke to him and he's a vegan. And then <laughs> and then that like sets off all the other things in your head. You'd be like, how can you be vegan if you're on the street? And forgetting that he is a human mm. and that he has choices and that he has a way of living as well. And so I say that, you know, if I, if I'd asked him, excuse me, you know, what's your name? I'm going into the shop. I can maybe buy you something. I've got a couple of quid. Would you like anything? And he goes, yeah, I'd like a, a Fanta. I could have come out of that shop giving him something that he wanted. And I think too often we we talk about kindness, but we actually need to put a skill behind it. Kindness is an act. Empathy is a skill. And if we can focus on the skill, the act will become more impactful and they will have better ripple effects. And that's kind of why I'm a bit against random acts of kindness. Whilst they can be nice and cheer up your day, 
they don't lead to behavior change on a large scale over time. And that's why we're so focused on empathy. It's not that we're against kindness. It's just that we think that if you can put empathy at the heart of the practice, that that those acts of kindness will have more impact and people will feel more seen and heard and valued. And then, you know, what we're looking at with Cambridge Uni is, you know, how do you measure empathy? And actually it's yeah. it's talking about all the things that come off of developing that skill. So, you know, if you create a culture at school where staff are empathic, where students are empathic, and you're starting you're seeking to understand before judging, it's not that you're not judging, is you're reserving that judgment. And you create this culture where students and teachers feel like they have a voice that's seen and heard and that they have a role mm. to play and there's authenticity with throughout the whole school. Are you going to get more um, attainment? Are you going students going to turn up on time more? Are is homework levels going to increase? You know, we we assume based on what we call desk research, looking at research that's already out there, and you know, experiences of being teachers, that we assume that this will will have an impact. And the the long vision for us at Empathy Week is that. We know we're only one one program, one organization. There's others out there like Empathy Lab that are doing amazing work within the reading field. We're mm. film based, um, but our vision is that you know if a child takes part in Empathy Week every year of their school life from the age of five to eighteen, they'll have watched sixty five different people's life stories by the time they go out wow. into the world of work. And if you think that you know I'm off to Nepal in a couple of days to film there for 2023 and be there for this year's Empathy Week. The idea is that we go to a different region, a different country every year. Imagine imagine employing someone that's already come across these people that have different beliefs. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get leaders in 40 years' time, hopefully, that have taken part in Empathy Week that make what we call human-led decisions. So not decisions based on power and decisions based on their own skin, as we as we can see in the UK, but decisions based on what is the right thing to do with the information that you've got. And if you don't have the information, using the skill of empathy to seek that out and understanding what do people want and how do we make the best of that. Wow, that's really powerful. You know, I've written down, it's funny, as you're chatting, I just wrote down a few things that really resonated with me. You know, empathy, how can you understand someone better? Kindness is an act. Empathy is a skill. you know, and developing leaders who will make human-led decisions. Powerful stuff. So Empathy Week is the 21st of February, am I right? Yes, so we are kicking off the 21st of Feb. Though we understand that some schools, especially Mm -hmm. because we're in schools across the world, but even in the UK, some schools are on half term. We say to those schools, that's absolutely fine. Why not do it the next week or start it the next week? So we kick it off on the 21st and we encourage schools to take part then. Excuse me, but there is there is no kind of boundaries on that. So if you're hearing this after the 21st of February, um, don't panic. You can come to our website and register and access the resources. And what is the website? So it's empathy-week.com. Um, and we also have, uh, so like I said, it's free for state schools, government schools, academies to, to register. Um, but also without, you know, if you don't want to sign up, 
yet. We have a newsletter, which we send out every month. And we also have Mm -hmm. resources, an introduction to empathy as a skill assembly, which is for every single year group that is available as well as a whole lesson and a film about Pete, an amazing man called Pete from 2021. That's at our website, which is empathy-week.com forward slash free. If you go on there, you don't have to sign up. You don't have to give us your details or anything. You can just access those those resources. Um, and we also have them on, we have the assemblies on Tez and they've already been downloaded 3,400 times and they've only been out a month. So wow. people are using them, That's which is amazing. great. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So it's really simple to register and they don't need to do it during Empathy Week. So actually, if I came to it in sort of July, would I still be able to access it? Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that we have... Oh, that's The good. only thing we have... A- Not that I'm saying <laughs> I'm going to, but just, just you know. Yeah, next September it will... We'll have a... Well, actually, at the end of July, we'll have a new website so that people can register for the following year, but we'll also make the resources available to the end of the school year. Um, but also, the only thing that does have a time limit on is that part of Empathy Week, we kind of have three stages... Stage one is the films and and an assembly or less short lesson around that film. Stage two is that per film, per age group, this is why there's a lot of PowerPoints, there is um two 20 to 30 minute PSHE type lessons that, that link to that mm-hmm. film. One is about exploring empathy for yourself and the other is about exploring empathy for others. And then stage three, which is the one that does have a time limit on, is that we have a virtual empathy awards Global Empathy Awards at the end of um, the year in June, uh, which we have four amazing judges. Uh, one of them includes Gavin Dykes, who's the director of the Education World Forum, wow. and they will sift through entries. So what we do is we ask schools that want to take part in the empathy projects to run their own in-house competition and then submit to us the best one from their school or the best couple, and then the judges will look through them and invite them. And last year on the on the Empathy Awards, we had... Schools from Nepal, Mexico, Italy, UK, um, America. I think we also had teachers from and students from Nigeria, all on one call, talking about their projects and their work. And it was it was amazing. It was such a nice thing to see. Um, and we're also going to when we go out to Nepal in a couple of days, visit the the couple of sh- teenager students that won um, the award, which is going to be a pretty incredible moment. Hopefully. That's amazing. And it's so wonderful that this idea of yours has sort of is spanning the globe and that actually is touching the lives of so many people. Yeah, it's it's not it wasn't intentional, <laughs> to be honest. I when it started it was meant to be a UK project and there's so much we have to do. We're despite our reach, we're quite we're a very small organization. Um I'm mm. sort of the only one that works full time. And it's it's just really it's teachers that are taking it on board and then helping run with it and we're just trying to support teachers in a way as a bigger way as possible really because I've been there I know how little time there is teaching is the hardest job that I will ever ever do um and I think it's the hardest job anyone will ever do and everyone should be a teacher at some point so we're just trying to deliver really high quality films and resources but that save over the course of time, save teachers time and energy. And that's super important because we hear loads of things about teacher wellbeing, which then require you to go to a webinar at 8 p.m. at night. And it's just like, actually, 
teacher well-being is about taking stuff off teachers' plates. And if we can provide assemblies that mean that that head of that head of year doesn't have to stay up till eleven at night, and they know that they can deliver something quality that has an impact on their students, that means the world really. And that's what will take this movement far. Um, and our, our big vision is to build an empathy generation. And we invite you to join us. And if you're in the space of developing empathy as well, we're not here to hog it. We're here to do it. We know we can't do it alone. So. We need other people to to help us and in, in developing this amazing skill in amazing students. An empathy generation, powerful stuff. It really is. I just, you know, I'm sitting here going, "Wow, yeah, wow, yeah." I, th- I think it's amazing what you're doing. Thank you. I I just think sometimes we overcomplicate stuff. I really mm. do. And and for some people that think oh you know i've got to sign up and do this and i just don't have time i completely get you i completely understand bringing something new into a school sometimes is is tricky but if if you're able to access it for free or even just the the resources just download them have a look have a have a watch of some of the clips and the films i guarantee that you'll hopefully be moved by it and think do you know what this is worth it and if you don't use it you don't use it but it was there and at least you had a chance to look at it and then if if that's really still just like, oh, I just don't have time, realize the things that you are already doing in your classroom to develop empathy. And that can be as simple as talking about your own life a bit more or inviting others to talk about their lives because that's how you develop empathy. It's about increasing the number of experiences that someone can experience. And that's why school trips are so important. That's why COVID has been so damaging because it's locked us up inside rather rather than taking students outside. Even students coming to school, they will develop empathy because they're socialising with their peers. The problem is we want to expand that, that social bubble. We want to expand that bubble that actually we're all in. And the only way to do that is kind of, you know, people talk about their comfort zones. I like to talk about empathy zones. It's like we all have, a, we all have that kind of empathy zone where we feel understood and seen. Um, and that the people that we're around, we also understand and we feel comfortable about them. But how can you expand that? So how can you, as an adult, that might be speaking to someone on the street. That might be a really uncomfortable thing for you to do. But if you do it, you might get a glimpse into someone else that's a little bit different than you. And that's that's what it's all about, really. How can we bring these experiences into students' lives so that they become better citizens? And then if we have better citizens, we'll have a better society. And ultimately, that's what we all want. Really is. So if you're listening to this and you've already forgot what the website links are and everything, it will be on the blurb that's attached to the podcast. So just go and have a look at that. Click on the links and register. Now, Ed, as you know, I always ask the same final question of everyone. Mm. So I hope you've been considering it. The question is this. If you could have been taught by anyone, living or dead, who would have been your perfect teacher? Yeah, this is it's a really tricky one when when I've been thinking about this. But there's yeah. only one person that comes into mind and it's just mm-hmm. the first person that comes up in my head because I I would, you know, I'm sure people say Gandhi and all these people that people know, but I'm going to choose a man called John Amici, who I don't know if you have mm-hmm. heard of. Um I've heard the name but I right. couldn't actually tell you with any detail. So, well, I couldn't so this it. is where you you'll get the link between education, basketball and empathy um as my kind of passions because he kind of embodies all of them. He's an ex NBA player. Uh he played in the Oh, that's how I He know played in the NBA yes. for 7 8 years. 
um, is kind of the voice of he, he actually doesn't particularly like basketball anymore or doesn't you know never really loved it if you listen to him on podcasts and things mm. but he's um a psychologist uh, a consultant he's got his own consultancy business um, but I managed yeah. to get him to come and speak to students when I was a te- when I was a teacher I messaged him via LinkedIn and I said look I've got a group of students that are really just disengaged with life um, that don't have particularly role models and he kind of embodies inclusivity in the fact that he's six foot nine i actually think he's taller than six foot nine um he's a big man he's black and he's gay and he made headlines in i think it was 2007 because he was the first ex-nba player to come out as gay um Mm. and he just spoke to the students that were in my school in my sick form 400 sick formers and you could not hear a pin drop and he stayed for as long as it took for the students after I had students come up to me before being like oh sir like I've got to go at half three because this this and this and and he spoke till four and not one of them left because he was that engaged and that powerful and he just spoke about humility integrity authenticity playing in the NBA but then coming out of that he turned down an 18 million dollar contract with the LA Lakers for $700,000. Now $700,000 doesn't sound bad, but it's not particularly, you know, at at 20 or 22, it's not life-changing money. I suppose it is life-changing money. That's not fair. It is life-changing money. And the fact it could buy your house, but it's not going to impact your life like $18 million. And the reason he did that was he turned that money down because the team, the only team that gave him a chance to get into the NBA that he was currently with, the Orlando Magic, could only offer him $700,000 to keep him. And he said, if it wasn't for you, I would never even be here in the first place. And his wow. dream was kind of to play for the LA Lakers. And $18 million? Could you turn that down? I don't think I could. And then one of the kids asked him and said, do you regret it? And he goes, do you know what? Sometimes I do. Um, I don't think anyone else would respond differently like to that. But he's a man for me that I've had the pleasure of then, off the back of that, I messaged him and he's met me for coffee two, three times. Now you hear his name, you'll see him creep up everywhere. Um, I will, and I'm, I'm excited. And he's got a great book about um, leaderships. I actually have it on audiobook. I'm halfway through it. Um, I actually can't remember the name now because I don't stare at the book cover. I just put it on my audio. Like Giants in Leadership. But he talks about being a giant in leadership because he's seen as a giant because he's so tall. But he is just, mm. he embodies all of the values that I hope to have and that people say about me. And he doesn't know that I talk about him, but I always say, you know, he's one of my role models and I would have loved to be taught by him if, if he was ever a teacher. That's amazing. And I can't, I'm actually, you know, I, I love an audio book. So that'd be my next audio book as well. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Ed, for coming on and talking to us about Empathy Week. And I know that I will definitely be da- downloading all the resources, signing on, registering, etc. Really excited to do it and really excited for where Empathy Week is going to go. So am I. We'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll come back on next year and give you an update. <laughs> Do. I'd love that. Yeah, you have to come on next year again. Thank you so much and enjoy your trip to Nepal. Thank you very much for having me. It's been amazing.